Radio. Nothing to watch on TV? That's why you're listening to Barrett's Talk on DVRadio.net, WDVR. This ain't reality TV! It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal! It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. Well, isn't that special? Bloody... Don't you think you should rephrase that? Mom, mama said, my mama said, mama said that. My mom. Good day, sir! Now class is dismissed, gentlemen. Veterans Day, November 11th. This nation rededicates itself to peace with honor. A few moments ago, I placed a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier, and as I stepped back and stood during the moment of silence that followed, I said a small prayer, and it occurred to me that each of my predecessors has had a similar moment, and I wondered if our prayers weren't very much the same, if not identical. Today, you people are no longer maggots. We celebrate Veterans Day on the anniversary of the armistice that ended world war one from now on until the day you die wherever you are the armistice that began on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month you're part of the brotherhood and i wonder in fact if all americans prayers aren't the same as those i mentioned a moment ago but always remember this you live forever I think it most appropriate that we recall on this occasion and on every other moment when we are faced with great responsibility, the contribution and the sacrifice which so many men and their families have made in order to permit this country to now occupy its present position of responsibility and freedom. Today as never before, we must pledge to remember the things that will continue the peace. Today as never before, we must pray for God's help in broadening and deepening the peace we enjoy. Let us pray for freedom and justice and a more stable world. And let us make a compact today with the dead. A promise in the words for which General Ridgway listened. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. In memory of those who gave the last full measure of devotion... May our efforts to achieve lasting peace gain strength. And through whatever coincidence or accident of timing, I tell you that a week from now, when I am some thousands of miles away, believe me, the memory and the importance of this day will be in the forefront of my mind and in my heart. And in order to permit us to gather here together, let us pray in the name of those who have fallen in this country's war, that there will be no veterans of any further war, not because all shall have perished, but because all shall have learned to live together in peace. Thank you. God bless you all, and God bless America. Please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. 
I am the first dick in your ear, Bonerwood, so it's going to be a hard one tonight. Now, God damn it, buddy, that's just not even fair. This is Barracks Talk. This is inside the nut house, man. We got Sergeant Wardog. Oh, I just broke out of the rubber room, dog. The bacon man himself, oink. You are truly putting the D in the B when it comes to DV radio. Mr. Recall. I prefer to be referred to as belly and down. And don't know where the fuck Google is. I told you it's my computer, it's not me. That's exactly how I feel. We probably had a few too many to drink, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Can I get a thimble full of sweet baby rays, please? We don't have it. Saturday's going to be even more entertaining. Illogical. Oh, wow. the DV radio store for those wondering. Shit's still there. You can buy shit. Mine shit's good, okay? Oh, we haven't even gotten there yet. You fucking got me there already. Love and military barracks talking around this smoke. How's your back feeling after that penis reduction? Oh, wow. <laughs> You're tuned in to WDVR on DVRadio.net. Because this is how it is on DV Radio. That is how it is right on WDVR, DVRadio.net. It's November 11th, 2023. It is Veterans Day. Barracks Talk, we're live. Or you listen to us on podcast on most major platforms. Just search DV Radio Podcast and you're more than likely going to find us on every single one of them in some way, shape, or form. I'm Boner Wood tonight. We got a full motherfucking house. <laughs> this first entire show is dedicated to Miss Ace of Bulletproof Podcast. Uh, before we go into all of that, though, today and today only, you get 11%. Yes, because it's November 11th and it's Veterans Day off at the DV Radio Store. So go to dvradio.net, click on DV Radio Store, get your 11% off, please. Don't forget, click on the redeem button to get your 11% off. If you don't click the little fucking redeem button, you don't get the fucking 11% off. Fucking assholes that complain to me. Fuck you. Um, follow directions. Uh, so go support DV Radio, Sergeant Wardog, DV Farm, um, Betsy Ross, PTS Dog, DV Against DV, and Change Unchained. DV Against DV merch does go towards Change Unchained. Without further ado, tonight we've got with us from Alaska, it's the frozen pig man himself. It's oink. What's that happening? Hot stuff. Uh, try not to lose my fucking mind with all you motherfuckers in here. That's about yeah, it. No, it's like herding cats, ain't it? <laughs> then back down into the swamp asses, low rider. We got the psych ward gang CEO supervisor himself, the crown marine eater. It's none other than I see them, Sergeant Wardog. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, baby? <laughs> Love it. I fucking seen that video earlier and I was like, Ah, oh, shit's about to get real tonight. Can't wait. Can't wait. I love the hype. He was dancing and shit. I was like, ah, another side of Mr. Wardog. We ain't seen. There it is. And then he hasn't been with us in a minute because he's been working his ass off because he likes to play with his wood because it's hard. And then there's some that's salt, but then there's some that's just right. And sometimes he gets splinters because rubbing it just wrong. Anyway, it's none other than Joaquin Watai. It's JJ. And that's how I, I, I don't even, I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fucking, I fucking hype him up. I get a fucking <laughs> in there and he's like, crickets, fucking crickets. Like, fuck I'm <laughs> <laughs> and very special guests joining us tonight. It is Mr. Roberto Avila. 
What up, what up? Roberto, a.k.a. Devil Dog from the Boogie Down Bronx, y'all. Haven't had him on in a minute. Glad, so glad to have you on to talk to Ace with us tonight. And then we've definitely not had this asshole on in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's gracing us tonight with his sultry voice. It's none other than Mr. Scav. What can I say, man? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. That's all you're getting. <laughs> oh, we're going to make you work tonight, Bo. Oh, oh. And then, and then he's also streaming on MBR radio. It's Joel, Mr. H train. Yo, yo, yo. What's Step up? Into Wick studio. That totally did not work what I wanted to do. No, that, that's why you don't press buttons during somebody else's live show. That's why you don't do it. Just don't. That's, that's the number one rule. You don't do it. Okay. It, now, now, I've got to go through something. And like every time I read it, I'm like, did she add something else? She's got eight search and rescue certifications. I'm not even going to attempt to go through every single one of those. She's got 18 law enforcement certifications. Fuck that. You can talk about that all fucking day if you want. <laughs> Wait, wait, there's more. She's got 23 certifications, including Homeland Security, DHS, Human Trafficking Awareness, our encounter counterterrorism, and emergency management in DHS and FEMA. And then it says, et cetera. So, holy fucking Christ. Wait, we're not done. There's more. <laughs> 13 mental health, holistic health certifications and... Wait, we got one more. <laughs> Former missing persons incident commander for a national nonprofit. It is Ace from Bulletproof Ace. I'm so glad we've got you on, especially tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, everybody, for your service. Happy Veterans Day, guys. I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be, but here with you guys on Veterans Day. Why the fuck you even want to be with us on Veterans Day? Listen, we'll change that by the time we're done. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna get five minutes into this and be like, "All right, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm out." <laughs> well, you did forget one important one. You know, homecoming queen. Oh, oh. <laughs> we're just gonna go try and drop that picture in chat for everybody to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Fuck you all." so i came across you um it's it's been about a month and a half two months maybe a little bit more i can't remember exactly maybe you know the timeline um we have someone in common that we know mutually betsy ross she was on your show not too long ago Yes, Miss Betsy Ross. And I was so happy that she contacted me. She said, hey, DV Radio wants to talk to you. So, so happy that I'm here. Yeah. And I haven't gotten to listen to all of your podcasts. I did go through uh, quite a few of them to to get a feel. And the main reason is I don't want to ruin it for me because I want to get to know you on the spot. Just like we sat down at a bar or in the barracks, hence barrack talk, right? Um, which I'm not sitting down at any bars because I'm already sitting down. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> anyway, um, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about your background. You don't have to go in depth on all your certifications. You can if you want to. I know it's a long list, and I know you don't want to talk about every single thing on there. Um, but obviously, helping people <laughs> is one thing that you absolutely love, have a passion for. Um, what got you started doing all of that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, well, when I was younger, 
I was actually, I was almost kidnapped twice. So I was almost kidnapped once when I was eight and then another time in broad daylight in a Target parking lot when I was 22. So I've always had such an interest, not only in the military, not only in veterans, but especially in Homeland Security, Secret Service and history. So I just got really into it and it sort of snowballed and I just have a lot of fun taking new certifications, learning new things. And now with the podcast, it's just a really fun way to connect with people all over the country, all over the world, and sort of bridge the gap between the professional side of things and other people that are out there in the field. I love that. Not that you got almost kidnapped twice. I don't love that. Let's, let's make that. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> shut up. I didn't mean that. It's almost. I wasn't harmed and I was totally safe and I got away because I'm slick. <laughs> I love it. See, she can even have a, a joke about it. Um, but I love that that turns you into this, for lack of a better term, advocate and just all rounded helpful person. I mean, the search and rescue certifications, the law enforcement certifications, the mental health, the, the trafficking, the, You've got so many certifications. You make the DOD look like kindergarten. (laughs) Why, thank you. Um, You know, right now I'm reading the Special Forces Medic Handbook, and that's not a certification, but it's 722 pages long, and I'm trying to read it for fun. But I'm about like two-thirds of a way through it, but that that one's a little rough. Yeah, I seen your post about that and I was like, is there anything else she's going to do, you know, within the next month or two? Maybe, I don't know, take a full-time college course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I know all of this is near and dear to you, all the certifications, but there has to be at least one on there that just, just pulls at you that you say, I have to do this. There's nothing else on the face of the planet that could turn me away from it. If you had to choose out of all your certifications and you had to get rid of all the, all the others, right. If you had to choose one to keep, what is it and why? That's a really good question. I tried to choose certifications that sort of went together Mm -hmm. that could go together. So, you know, all the search and rescue certifications, they all definitely go together. You know, you have mountain search and rescue, swift water awareness, helicopters, media search and rescue, operational leadership, you know, situational awareness, SARTAC, all that stuff. So it's like once you take one, you need to be able to fulfill other parts of it. Mm -hmm. So that's really hard to narrow down, but I can narrow it down to some of my favorites, like the law enforcement ones are really, really interesting and really fun, you know, in terms of, you know, domestic violence response training or officer response training or, you know, the use of informants, that stuff's really interesting. But my favorite, favorite ones were from the Department of Homeland Security, where they have a whole bunch of counterterrorism simulations that you have to do in some of their certifications, where they'll give you you know, a fake city and they'll give you, you know, a fake terrorist threat and you sort of have to piece your way through it and solve, you know, how you're going to, you know, disable the threat, et cetera, et cetera. So that's definitely some of my favorites. The Homeland Security side is definitely one of my favorites. But the ones that I've used the most um, probably have to do with intelligence, counterintelligence, open source intelligence and human trafficking. That's awesome. 
I mean, yeah, you, you, you said it, uh, everything goes together. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned the law enforcement and that was one of the reasons I had Roberto and Scav on, um, you have response training in domestic violence, response training in use and control of informants, uh, elder response, elder abuse response, uh, threat assessment, eyewitness, identification training, uh, psychological response dynamics, victims of sexual offenses, fitting all safety for law enforcement. And then you've got et cetera. Um, and then in parentheses, I've got to tell everybody, I'm not joking. When she sent this email, I laughed because it says in parentheses. Not an officer. <laughs> oh, it's like she's been asked by somebody if she's an officer of the law. You know what? When I first started the the um you know the whole podcast thing, I think it was like the first week I was doing it. I still had Messenger enabled, and I don't have it enabled anymore because some woman uh, that was a retired police officer. She read something like, I think it was just in the description, you know, of, of my background. And right. she sent me some crazy rant. And she was like, are you saying you're a police officer? I was like, whoa, whoa, no, no. I was like, not an officer. It's funny you <laughs> say that. Yeah. It reminds me of this comedian. He can't uh, talk because he's got cerebral palsy and a couple others. And I know you guys have seen him on Facebook or whatever, but he has this joke where he uh, can no longer be disabled because some white Karen told him that disabled is offensive and it, it's a whole skit. And it's, that reminded me of that so much, but um, you said all this, you know, culminated into basically podcast. And when I seen the name of your podcast, I was like, who is this? Like, why would I have never heard of this? And one, you're fairly new in the podcast world from the looks of it. Um, but the name caught me bulletproof podcast. And for those who are wondering who haven't heard of her, you can go to dvradio.net and click on other podcasts. We do have her link to Spotify on there. Uh, if you want to go check her out and I do encourage you to go listen to her. She has some great guests and some great talking points. Um, but what made you want to turn it into a podcast? All, all of your knowledge. Well, you know, I had worked so many missing persons cases and so many of those cases, you know, have really horrific outcomes. I worked so many missing children's cases, um, autistic elopement cases where they wandered off. Many of them, you know, were drowning cases where they wandered off and were found, you know, in a lake nearby, especially the autism cases. And, uh, so many other cases of domestic violence and murder. And with that, so many people would always say to me when I was an incident commander, oh, I could never do that. You know, how could you do that on a daily basis, deal with these missing persons cases and especially the children? And how are you still looking for them? And how are you, you know, I could never do that. And, you know, how do you do that? And a lot of times I would say, well, you know, you have to be pretty bulletproof and you have to stay goal oriented. You have to stay on task and be able to put your emotions aside, you know, for the greater good. So when I was on a hiatus, I, I was thinking, you know, I kind of want, especially with the world being what it is right now, so chaotic politically and geopolitically. I wanted something that could sort of center all of my experience 
and be able to talk to other people and be a podcast with a purpose, be able to highlight veterans and first responders, be able to focus on counterterrorism and the border and prepping and EMPs and predators and security and sort of tie it all together. So I just started back up in April and season four is going to kick off in January. Wow. You're okay. So not only do you have all, and I'm, I'm not demeaning anything that you're doing, but I'm just going to lump it into one word. All this shit <laughs> that you know, then you decide to read a fucking handbook that's 700 pages fucking long. And then you're like, I'll start a podcast. <laughs> what, what do you do? When you get to a block where you're like, I'm not sure what to do for this podcast. Like there has to be a guest that you've come across that you want to have on. Right. But at the same time, you're like, how do I interview or talk to him? Cause now you're in the hot seat. You're on our show. You're, 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 you're in the opposite seat. So if, if you, if you had us on, right. And it was one of those episodes where you're like, man, I've already talked to him or I know so much about him, but how do I get that information out to my audience? Do you have those moments with all the stuff you have going on? Actually, I don't have those moments because I'm very meticulous. So I sort of handcraft and handpicked pick each guest in advance. And once I have them booked, that's when the research starts on them. Basically, I do my own version of open source intel on each guest. So when they come on, I basically know their blood type. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I try to find out as much as I can. And I listen to a lot of other things that they do, other podcasts they do, other media that they do. And I try to find sort of pockets of information that might be missing. And I try to get to the heart of their story. I love that. I really do. And, you know, I, I feel like there aren't enough, there aren't enough creators doing what you're doing. And I'm not saying it in, in the respect of let me just pour you out this information to you or let me go talk to somebody that you already know, but you're actually finding, like you said, those missing pieces, pieces to that jigsaw puzzle that there's, they've been on, let's say they've been on 10 interviews, right? All across the board, they've reached massive audiences, et cetera, et cetera. But most of them are relatively the same, right? And you don't hear anything new or the story changes a little bit because we all forget. And sometimes we got to fill in those holes, right? Because that's how our brain works. But you find that one bit of information that you want to know that you can't find in those 10 interviews and you get it out of them in your interview. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. But also, I want them to feel comfortable and I don't want them to feel like they're being interrogated or, you know, that they're in, the, you know, a psychiatrist office or something. I I really value having that connection and I really care about them before they even come on the show. You know, that whole week I'm looking into what they're doing. I'm looking into what they've done. And then by the time I get on the phone with them, I actually really care about them as people. So I want them to be able to tell their story, but also to give honor and respect to the story that they have to tell. 
Yeah. And I don't know if how many of our listeners have went to your uh, Facebook page uh, since we've started sharing your stuff and then mentioned that you were coming on the show. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if, if you just go through Ace's timeline and look at the posts she's made, these are genuine posts. I mean, we could all make a post, Hey, go support blah, 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 blah. But if you look at them and then you look at her content around that, it's genuine. It's not some cookie cutter post that she made five times in a row or she said the same thing 30 times yesterday. Um, it's, it's very, it's very personable in a way. Right. And, and I absolutely love that about not only what you're doing with your podcast, but the way you get other organizations and groups and individuals out there in your post, because it's not done that way much anymore. A lot of people want to want to pull in and ride the coattails of, right? And I absolutely love the way you do it. You're not riding coattails. You actually genuinely care about these groups, organizations, nonprofits, individuals that you have on your show, or even if you don't have them on your show, you at least get them out there and you let people know why you have an interest in them or you support them or whatever. Yeah, I do, I do genuinely care about all of them, but I also want to make sure that, you know, I I try to drop the ego because I just want to be able to help as many organizations and veterans and first responders as I can. I want to be able to spread the word of so many of these nonprofits that are doing amazing things. And I find that so many people are in competition and I just, I, I think all that's nonsense. And I think when everybody gets together and everybody collaborates, that's when the awesome stuff happens. Like right before I came on tonight, I listened to your barracks talk from last week. It, you know, you guys were on veteran trash talk was on. I was like, look at these guys, you know, both with a huge following, but also, you know, totally cool hanging out, working together. So that's what it's all about. It's actually funny that you mentioned all of that in one sentence or paragraph because, uh, they're one of the very few in recent uh, time and uh, outside of individuals, as far as groups are concerned, that we immediately were like, these assholes are DV and they are exactly what we've been talking about that everybody needs to do because, and we said it to them on the show and we said it offline, the veteran community is their own worst enemy. There are so many competitors out there. It's not even funny, but yet in a hypocritical sense, let's help one another. But yet on the back end, they're not helping each other, right? That's just for show, glitz, and glory. Let's make it seem like we're actually doing something. But on the inside, we're stilling and we're moving around and we're actually the snakes in the grass, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yes. And it, you know, the more... <laughs> No, not that you're the snakes in the grass. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it, it's sad that, that that that's even a thing among veterans, right? Because we're a very small population of not only the country, but the entire world. When you look at it as a whole, there's 8 billion people and it's growing every single day. We're a very minute fucking percentage of that population. And yet we have probably some of the worst egomaniacs in the world. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, these fucking super bro vets need to just quit. <laughs> I, uh, I had a chief who used to say that the military was a microcosm of American society as a whole. And yeah. you're going to have 
a little bit of absolutely everything, just like you do when you walk out the door and walk down the street in the city. You're going to have this group of people who are assholes and this group of people who try to help everybody, you know, that yep. it's just a more concentrated version of the same thing out there. Absolutely. I mean, we've said on the show a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand times more, not only the veteran community, but every community has that 1% of bad assholes and you're not going to be able to get away from it. It doesn't matter what you do. You The, on, the only way to get away from it is to come together all the good people, all the good guys, all the ones that want to do the, make the changes and do good in the world and actually make it overshadow the bad shit, right? The assholes, the liars, the, the ones that want to bring you down because they're jealous that they can't do or be at what you are. And that's a lot of, is a lot of jealousy. But before I forget, um, as I said earlier, when we were talking about the law enforcement and the missing persons and all of that stuff, the reason we have Roberto and Scavon during this part of the show is to talk to you about that stuff. And Roberto, do you want to tell Ace what you used to do and ask her any questions or talk to her about any of the stuff that she uh, is certified for, obviously? Shit, she has more experience than some cops I know. <laughs> God damn. That's a lot of experience, a lot of certifications, and man, that's that's a pretty good resume you got there. Thank you, sir. But what I did, oh, you're not to call me, sir. It's Double Dog. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, well, what I did was when I got out the Marine Corps, I did about 12 years as a uh, paralegal, and then I said, "Screw this!" Got tired of sitting in an office. I joined the NYPD, where I stood for 22 years. Retired as a New York City detective. And I lasted 30 days retired before my wife got on my nerves. And I said, screw this. Went back to work. <laughs> and now I work at the Department of Veteran Affairs as a veteran affairs police officer. Nice. But, um, yeah, w- while in the NYPD, I've done everything. I'm pretty much mimicking the certification you got. I've done missing persons. I've done homicides. I've done active shooters, narcotics, uh, undercover work. I've done firearms training, uh, tactical house. You name it, I've done it. Field training, dealing with the dealing with the mentally ill. But out of all those certifications and everything that I've done in the NYPD, the one that sticks out the best that I'm more proud of is dealing with the inner city youth, where I formed the Big Zip Blue program. It's a program where I went and I saw these inner city youth in the worst crime-ridden neighborhoods. Uh, these were poor kids, you know, guys and girls. And I took a couple of my officers and we basically once a week on a Friday for one hour, we mentor these kids and uh, basically teach them how to be good citizens, productive, that the cops are their friends. We used to go in regular clothes. A lot of them, they see the uniform and they get hesitant. Of, you know, oh, these guys are just pigs. But when they see an officer in regular clothes and acting with them, telling them, you know, that we're there for them. We want them to succeed. We want them to further their education. It sets a good example with us. So that's out of all the training and certification that that sticks out the most. And I wish I could continue that. But with the Department of Veteran Affairs, we deal with veterans and some veterans, as you know, they can be a handful. But um, maybe hopefully along the way that program can get started where we can start mentoring the younger veterans that are that are coming out. So um, in a nutshell, that's me. Yeah, I love that. And I used to live in New York City. I used to work downtown in Tribeca and I used to live in Brooklyn. And I remember so many times, you know, like on New Year's Eve, 
seeing these guys out there. Now, if you guys have never been to Times Square on New Year's Eve, it's a police officer's worst nightmare. There's so <laughs> many people there. You, it's it's literally just a sea of human beings with every terror threat you could probably possibly imagine. It's freezing. Like you're freezing after being bundled up and standing out there for just an hour and, um, you know, seeing so many homeless veterans in New York City and seeing the police officers just out there in these crazy conditions year round. I mean, thank you so much for your service. Yeah, that's one thing about uh, when being a, a beat cop is staying out there in the elements while the uh, supervisors stay in the nice cozy cars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing we got going now, we got we got a. I mean, I don't like to get political, but we got a mayor now that was a former cop. Um, this guy, man, he's in I some mean, hot just, water right now. Yeah, he, he's got issues, but not only him. The top top leadership is what made gave me my giving my decision to say, you know what. It's time for me to go. We need we need we need good leadership there on the top. Yeah, because you have so many good people. I mean, one of one of my close friends, you know, out here, he's a retired NYPD police officer. He was talking about 9-11, how, you know, when September just passed, he was telling me a story about how on 9-11, he was working downtown with the NYPD. He gets a call because he was with the electronics department and they said, we need you to go to the top. This is a true story. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. We need you to go to the top of the World Trade Center because the antenna system or so- something crazy, like at Windows of the World, they had one of the police antennas or something up there and right. him and his crew needed to go up there and work on it. So he gets this call. All right. Yeah, no problem. So he gets his guys and he's heading towards the World Trade Center to go up there to the top of the windows of the world. And some, one of the officers downtown at the, at, you know, one of the field offices or whatever calls and says, Oh, you know, this idiot in the office just knocked down our whole radio system or whatever. Somebody had unplugged something by accident. Wow. And they said, no, turn around guys, forget it. Turn around. You have to fix this. And then you'll go to the world trade center later today. And uh, so he was like, all right. And his brother was supposed to eat at Windows of the World that day. It was a Tuesday, I believe. And he was supposed to be eating because he met his, you know, I think actually uh, he might have been a veteran as well. They met there every single Tuesday to have lunch. And that Tuesday, he got stuck in awful traffic. His brother as well couldn't make it. So he's back at the police station and, you know, with his team of uh, electronic guys doing the electric stuff for the police department. And that's when they got the call that, you know, about 9-11. And he wound up doing a 30-hour shift that day and being down there for months and months, being exposed to all of that. But, um, yeah, you guys are cut from a different cloth in, in the best way possible. Yeah, my hat, my hat goes off to all of them, especially the, our firemen as well. But, um, you know, we still got people to this day still dying of those illnesses. It's, it's sad. Yeah, uh, and and it, it's more it's harder on us veterans that already served in combat, but they have to experience that traumatic scene again, and that's one thing that the police department wasn't prepared for, because since then, numerous police officers has died for of, of suicide, and the department doesn't quite have a grasp on it. It's, it's they really don't know how to deal with that. They, they'll give you a chaplain, or they give you whatever services. Chances are the person counseling you or giving you whatever services 
mental health service. They've never been in the military. So it's useless. So, you know, it's, it's peer. What I do is out of my own time, my own dime, I reach out to these uh, military and police officers that are veterans. And on my own time, I go to their homes and I take my dog with me and I give them counseling and they can call me 24-7. It's like a buddy check. And I was it was taking so much of my time that the police department, especially in the precincts, they were starting getting upset. It's taking a lot of your time. And, you know, it's that's the sad part about it. I try to implement that program within the police department, but, you know, it got shot down time and time again, which is a shame. But, you know, that's what we do. And in, in, in as veterans, we move on. We, we, we improvise. We overcome. Yeah. And so many of these precincts are completely overwhelmed. You know, there's a certain amount of calls that they can get to and a certain amount of calls that they can, especially in places like New York City and L.A. down, you know, Skid Row out in L.A. And, you know, they're doing the best that they can. And then compound that with all the mental health stuff that they need or other health things like from 9-11. And you just have this massive issue that just hasn't been dealt with, I think, properly yet. Absolutely. I agree with that 100 percent. They need they need to get a hold of it. But uh, we got some good cops out there. I'm not going to knock the police department. I was proud to be a speed cop detective. It's, it's tough work and it takes a toll. It really does. Uh, my advice to these officers is don't take the job home with you. Leave it in your locker and you're done. Do not take it home with you because it will eat you alive. Hey, I'm telling you, this shit's real. Absolutely. I've heard that so many times because I, I, we actually know some other cops and that that's, that's one thing I think. <clears throat> and, and it's about the same for veterans too. You know, some of them it's hard to turn off when they go home and I can understand it, but it's one of those things they, I think they need to teach more of, uh, especially in the military and law enforcement and other uh, first responders and in, all I want to ask you now before I go over to SCAV, Roberto, is how do you feel about a civilian like Ace learning all of this? Like, do you think this should be something more people do? Do you think they should pick and choose? How, how do you feel about that? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited about it. And um, it's it's a cool thing what, she, what she's doing. I'm telling you. Uh, just by hearing her and the certification that she's obtained, her passion. And we should have more people like that, learning more about the job, getting these certifications so they can know what it's like uh, to work in law enforcement. And I'm telling you, uh, just by hearing her, she has more more experience than some of the knuckleheads I work with. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm all for it, man. Good for her. Good for her. Absolutely. So, Scav, we, we've went over a few things, like I said, of her certifications, but she also has eight search and rescue certifications with uh, the Mountain SAR, Swift Warrior Awareness and SAR, Helicopters and SAR, Media and SAR, Psychological First Aid SAR, Situational Awareness and SAR, Operational Leadership, Basic SAR, Wilderness Life Support, Patient Assessment, etc. via MRA in Texas, A-N-M-T-E-E-X. What do you want to tell her, uh, first off, about yourself, and then any questions or anything you want to say or... Anything uh, that I like I told you in chat, dude, it's it's a rabbit hole. Once you find something you like and it just spirals off, say in my field, it's extrication. So, you you know, we do the basic extrication. Then there's 
heavy equipment extrication and you're at school bus extrication. And it just keeps spiraling. You could probably take 100 extrication courses by the time it's done. But, you know, if, if you got the passion, that's where it's at. And some of her certs, man, I don't know why she's not in special ops. <laughs> True. Oh, man, I would love to be. <laughs> I would love to be. If I not mean, a service agent or something. Yeah, if you could, if you could pull off the physical parts, I mean, you got all the mental. You're ready to go. I mean, I'm telling you, the only thing I was waiting for in her next email was, oh, I'm also a member of the CIA, KGB, <laughs> FBI. I was waiting for it, man. You know, I've been nerding out. I, I have to be totally honest. I've been having the biggest nerd out ever for the past couple of days because CIA targeter, uh, Sarah Adams, she was just on the Sean Ryan show. And I, I listened to her episode probably four times because she's so knowledgeable. She's a counterintelligence genius. She just wrote an entire investigative book on Benghazi. She presented in front of Congress and she's coming on my show in January and I'm just dorking out over it. And I'm so excited to talk to her, jump down that rabbit hole. That's great. If you're tuning in now to WDDR, DVRadio.net, this is Barracks Talk. We will be going to the Barracks Party at the top of the hour. We've got Ace from Bulletproof Podcast on right now. I'm not going back down her resume. You can listen <laughs> to the podcast for that. Um, but, yeah, Scav, do you have any questions you want to ask Ace about any of her certifications or talk to her about anything that uh, – anything <laughs> <laughs> you just, no, not not really man because like you know some of the search and rescue stuff she was in you know you start at the bottom and then you just you spiral out of control mm-hmm. um and with us some of the older guys you know they can't do the physical stuff anymore but we keep them around because they can do office work or they can you know pack bags or whatever but she, she's right there i mean by the time we talk to her this time next year, she's probably going to double all those shirts. Oh, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for her to update us on everything. She's getting ready to join. I'm waiting for her to say, so I'm going for this training course, and I'm going to be repelling out of jets. And I'm going to be like, hi. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'll switch my name to Maverick. You know, I won't be Ace anymore. I'll be Maverick. <laughs> I'll tell you what, she's definitely good at taking tests because some of these tests out there, they're just a nightmare. Yeah, they are. You know what? I have to say the tests, you have to get on most of them over the grade of 90 or 88 on some of them. And so, you know, I, I have like stacks of papers and notes. And before I go to take the test, I'm making sure I have all my ducks in a row. Before yep. I go over to Joel, speaking of tests and all that and certifications, do you have any college degrees that you didn't mention to us? Yeah, I went to school for journalism and I went to school for English. And so I have those as well. And I have other certifications. Actually, I'm certified to teach Shakespeare. So, um, <laughs> of course you are. Because why not? Why not? Really <laughs> so I don't list, I have a lot of other certifications that I actually don't even list that aren't on here, but these sort of all go together much better. So I just keep these, you know, in a bubble. That was under et cetera. <laughs> what better than reciting Shakespeare on the edge of a mountain cliff, trying to save somebody that is hanging on by a tether who's got a broken leg? 
That that I can see Ace doing that. That's that's, that's the video she's put up. That's badass. <laughs> With the crown, right? With the crown on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so it seems like Joel from MBR Radio has a question for you, Ace. Yeah, you know the only question that I have, Ace, is me and you talked a, a while back, and you know. I don't remember if I've already asked you this question, but some of the military guys, when we watch movies like Saving Private Ryan or all these other movies, sometimes it brings kind of like flashbacks or, you know, it kind of triggers us to a certain point. I know that there's a movie called 911 Call with uh, Haley Berry. Watching those movies, does it affect you by any chance from your past experience? No, but I... I do have, this is weird. Like when I was doing a bunch of the missing persons cases, you know, sometimes I'd be doing four children's missing persons cases at once. And you wind up seeing so many pictures of them and so many videos of them and falling down this rabbit hole with Intel, trying to find them and mapping and, and everything that they wind up, the children were starting to come to me in my dreams. So that was really, that, that would take a toll sometimes because I would get so involved in a case for a child that was missing. Like this one boy, uh, he was going to the playground with his dad. He was a boy with autism and the dad had two other young children. And this was out in Washington and the little girl, the youngest girl, she needed her diaper changed. So he took the little girl and he put the little girl, you know, he opened up the trunk. He had a, you know, a diaper changing table. And while the other two boys were playing on the playground, he was changing the youngest daughter. And when he finished, one of the boys was gone. And that launched a massive, massive, massive search. And it was in a very, very backwoods wooded area with, uh, like a an extremely busy river nearby, lakes, ponds, marshes. It was the worst situation you could possibly imagine. Um, and that spawned into the father leading his own investigation, finding underground tunnels and all this. It was a really crazy story. But long story short, this search went on for a really long time. And many different organizations, including the one I was working for, were involved. And this boy kept coming to me in a dream and, you know, it was heartbreaking because, you know, he would say things in the dream, like, you know, please find me. And I'd have many other children that went missing that would come to me in the dream. So the movies were, you know, they're movies to me, but um, having dreams about a lot of the kids that went missing and a lot of them, um, you know, unfortunately were found deceased, but having those dreams were, you know, that was kind of hard. Now, I do have one question for you. Um, it, it's semi-personal, nothing about location or anything like that. But you've got all this stuff you're dealing with, all these certifications. You mentioned, you know, the missing children and stuff like that. And obviously, it takes a mental, emotional, and physical toll on you at some point. How do you, as a human being, first and foremost, how do you deal with all that? Because I'm sure there has been somebody that's come to you that has done some of or one or two things that you've done and are like, how do you deal with this? I, I can't deal with it anymore. I actually am not an emotional 
person. I'm, I don't really have emotional responses like that. Um, I'm pretty steady and nothing really, if, I mean, I, if, if there's a heartfelt story, I connect with it or, you know, obviously if somebody goes missing or there's a human trafficking case or something, you know, all of that, you know, obviously pulls at your heartstrings. But in terms of like emotional stability or mental stability, you know, I guess I'm pretty much, you know, pretty level headed. I take everything pretty much with ease. I get that. I get that. I, I think uh, I, I think a lot of us sitting here right now can actually. What's the word? We can all agree on that because I think a lot of us sitting here right now, even though something bad happens, we're like, oh, shit, I can't do that. You know, we'll have our 30 seconds of, oh, fuck. And then we're back to our old selves. And a lot of people, especially my friends and family, are <laughs> like, they're my mom, not so much uh, and not my really close friends. But I, I've got a lot of people that are like, that doesn't bother you or you're not going through for lack of a better term morning. And I'm like, yeah, it bothers me, but I, I, I can't, I can't dwell on it. I can't sit here and be depressed over it. Cause tomorrow's a new day. I'm a realist. I'm not going to lie. I'm a fucking realist. And, and, you know, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Go ahead, Scott. You know what it is? The, oh, go ahead, Scott. No, with, with what you guys are saying and, and done in combat as well, it kind of desensitizes you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, that's the thing. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people think that we want to be desensitized. But at the same time, if we're not desensitized, we couldn't do our jobs. There's That's why you go to MTC. There's no fucking way you could go to combat and see somebody and trigger warning triggered. Um, <laughs> there's no way you could go to combat, see somebody get blown in half and keep going. If you've never experienced that, at least in a training scenario. And let me tell you, if you don't know what NTC is, it's the realest unreal simulator that you'll ever go to. Cause you're in the field, you've got amputees and everything and they simulate blood they simulate the explosions they simulate the small arms they simulate hell i'm not joking and if you can't go through that you're not making it through fucking war i mean i I think a lot of people don't understand that and it's like you know we were talking about basic there's such pussies now and i'm sorry to say that (laughs) because you know some of these trying to say there's no timeout cards in combat what's what what do you mean right (laughs) you know there are some really strong people in the military but basic has become pussyfied in the fact that, oh, God, don't call that that private a bad name. We're going to UCMJ. Really? Really right now? Okay, let me interrogate you and get some information out of you because I'm going to tell you what. Nicknames and bad names are the fucking last thing on your mind because that, that's, that's fucking cakewalk. I mean, but anyway, back to Scav. Sorry, I took over there for a uh, second. That's all right, man. Yeah, we just... I was going to say, also, you know, if if you're not in the States, not in TC, but going to Holmsfeld, Holmsfeld does the same thing in Germany. What's that? The NTC thing? Same thing as NTC. Yeah, because when I left the States, I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not going to NTC. They're like, oh, no, you're going to Holmsfeld. I think Holmsfeld is worse than NTC. (laughs) I've actually... uh do you guys remember the old Russian training military uh, videos where they're running across their fucking stomachs and shit? 
yeah. fucking combat boots on. What? Yep. You've got these 300 pound fucking men running on bare stomachs with combat. Look, combat boots are comfortable until you're on the other side of the soul. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about the old combat boots too, man. That hard ass rubber. Fuck that. Anyway. Um, do you have any comment on that, Ace? <laughs> you know what it is right now, too? The the world is so wild. Everything that's happening right now is on a downward spiral. And I feel like it's our job, you know, as veterans or first responders or just good people to be beacons of light. Because as things spiral out of control more, people are going to be looking to people like us saying, um, what do we do? What is this? You know? What, like, how do I prepare for this? What am I supposed to do right now? What do I do in this emergency? You know, how do I stop the bleed? God forbid. So people are going to be looking towards our experience and they're going to be looking at us as beacons of light. And we have to rise up to the occasion, I guess. You're absolutely right. I've actually had people, um, funnily enough, right before Ukraine kicked off, people were like, what do we do if and I'm like, the best thing you can do is to not freak the fuck out, first off, and do what you can with what you've got. If anything wants to get stupid, right? And I've went into specifics with some people because they ask specific questions, but that is honestly the best advice I've ever been told. Keep your cool, take a breath, assess the situation. And do what you can with what you've got. That's the best thing you can do. Obviously, there are specific scenarios and all that good stuff. But in the heat of the moment, just breathe. Take a moment. Evaluate everything. Do what you need to do and move on. That's There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, like I said, there's specific, specific scenarios for other things, obviously. But that is the brass tacks of it all, right? Because that's what we had to do, especially that's how we learn muscle memory in in the military is you have to learn to control that adrenaline because I know a lot of guys that I was with, they got so fucking sick first rush we got when we done mount training or we done vehicle mount training or whatever, like they turned wide as fucking ghosts and then it was like one Two and here it comes up. They're puking. Yes, yes, they had to kill you, Matt. Fuck yeah! Like we were hoping that shit would happen. Um, but uh, Oink, uh, you haven't talked much in this last hour. Do you have any questions or anything you want to talk to Ace about uh, before not? You know, the only thing, the only thing that's coming to my mind is, uh, as I know, Roberto and Scaff can attest to, since we're veterans and everything else. Is that you know we have the nine eight eight we have you know objective zero and stuff like that. Does Ace know of any help or support or Roberto or even Scad for this matter for our actual first responders? You know to where uh, there is a national wide call in for you know their mental health. Um, yeah, our department absolutely. If uh, you're having a rough time, just reach out to one of us or the officers, and they'll make a phone call and they'll hook you up with somebody to talk to. Yeah, we got a various. Uh helplines in the NYPD, uh, police officers providing peer assistance. It's called PAPA. And we also got a text line where you can text BLUE to 741741. 
Uh, we have early intervention unit. You name it. There's so many resources out there within the NYPD to help uh, those veteran officers that are experiencing some type of uh, issues that need some uh, some help with. Yeah, and also reach out to Stacy and Dave over at 22 Mohawks. They just expanded their program, uh, not only for veterans, now it's also for first responders. So they can supply a companion dog. They can supply mental health services nationwide. And they also have an amazing lottery going on right now for both veterans and first responders, which is they send you to jump school down in Florida and they provide mental health uh treatment and training down there while they're in jump school and get certified to do that. So you can also reach out to Stacy and Dave at 22 Mohawks. They're friends of the show or reach out to Jason Steiner over at Hero Stock. He has an annual festival, a couple annual festival festivals this year for both first responders and veterans, of course. And he has the long list of connections for many um, veteran and first responder nonprofits. I'm going That's awesome. to Sorry, I'm going to make a presumption, Ace, that that's 22mohawks.com. 22mohawks, that might be org. You can find them on Facebook, and they also have a website. Okay. I want to make sure before I put anything in the description or chat room. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that's, you know, it's amazing because, you know, like I said, we're on a veteran network. We're, we're talking DB Rail, you know, we're talking veteran stuff. But, you know, sometimes we do have, you know, Roberto and Scab and folks like that come on that I kind of, you know, having a father that was a volunteer fireman, you know, in a backwoods country, you know, bumpkin town, you know, there's always that what if, you know, that what if scenario if they, you know, like I said, they deal with that situation to where they're there in that city 24 seven, you know, they're going by the same intersection where, you know, one minute might've been a two-year-old that passed away because of a car accident. The next minute, you know, they're dealing with a you know, domestic thing, you know? So there's always that mental health that, you know, we deal with in the military, but what do they deal with, you know, on the backside for our first responders? And I'm glad that there is programs out there. I just want to help get that word out there if there is. And like you said, you know, make it, make it known. Hey, Bo. So I did a research while you guys were talking, and I found a couple of nonprofits worldwide that might be helpful to some some of the first responders. First responders. The one that really speaks out to me is Tunnel to Towers Foundation. That's excellent. Stephen Stiller is in charge of that. He uh he actually I'm sorry to cut you off. He presented me with an award. Uh, at the Tunnel to Tower Foundation dinner that they had recently. That's amazing. Also, we have All Clear Foundation as well. We have Leary Firefighters Foundation. We have National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. We have Concerns of Police Survival. National Volunteer Fire Council. First Responders Children's Foundation. Believe it or not, I know this is kind of funny, but believe it or not, they have a they're 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 kind of like uh they're kind of like you guys uh Bo with uh firehouse subs. They actually have like a nonprofit that does stuff for the it's called Fire Safe Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation. I actually then, heard of that one. And then Ooh. the other two, last two that I have, and I can look for more if you want me to. But I don't think you want me to talk anymore. National <laughs> Association of Emergency Medical Technicians. And last but not least, National EMS Memorial Foundation. So 
you know, out of the 300,000 nonprofits there is in the nation, I've, I found like nine off the, right off the top of the search. You rock. Nice. Um, Oink, anything else before I move on to War Dog and JJ? No, man, that's it. Like I said, I'm looking at her resume when you sent that, you know, copy to me. I was like, holy shit, she's done more in her lifetime than I'll ever do in mine. So, you know, <laughs> congratulations, first of all. Keep it up. And uh, we can't wait to hear what's uh, what's coming down the pipe for me and what you've completed next. Thank you so much. And it's so nice to know you. Uh, we don't have a lot of time because I know she's got to get out of here. But War Dog, any questions or anything that uh, you want to say to Ace? Yes. Uh, first off, real quick, Roberto, uh, yesterday was our uh, Marine Corps birthday. So simplify, Devil Dog. Happy birthday. Simplify. Thank you, brother. Now, for Ace, when I first saw uh, all of her qualifications a few weeks back, um, I think you guys might remember I said, damn, that's a hell of a woman. Yep. Because <laughs> um, I said the same thing when I read the fucking email. Trust me. I went, damn, this woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to know um, what can we expect from you in the future? Wow, that was smooth. Um, <laughs> hopefully in the future, I'll be able to continue to have more of an impact I, I'm just getting going. You know, I just started in April, but I'm hoping that as the podcast starts to roll along, people become interested in it and people are moved by it and people's stories have an impact on their life. You know, I had one of my most standout podcasts was, you know, I had a veteran come on and he told a really personal story, you know, about how he tried to commit suicide and I didn't expect the story. And he was, I think, noticeably upset and kind of nervous when he was telling it. But I knew that when I finished that interview that so many veterans would relate to it. And I, you know, it's it's become a mission that hopefully the stories that I tell will go on to be able to help someone. And, you know, maybe then they can go on and be a beacon of light or become inspired. That's awesome. All right, it's awesome. I appreciate uh, knowing that um, you know someone actually cares that much to uh, devote themselves to learn and get qualified and certified um, as you have. It shows amazing commitment and it's commendable. So I just want to say a uh, salute and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, and thank you so much for your service. Thanks. And Mr. J.J. Joaquin Wattai. I just want to say thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we've got to let you go. But uh, appreciate hearing your story and check out your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you guys are all fantastic. I follow all of you. And I look forward to seeing what you guys are all putting out. And thank you so much. You know, follow Bulletproof Podcast. I'm over on Spotify and Facebook mostly. But you can also find it on iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. And, you know, I don't have too many followers, like maybe, you know, 1,100 because I'm kind of new. So if you like what you hear, feel free to share it with a friend and maybe we can make a big impact. Absolutely. Is there anything other than obviously your podcast that you want to say to anybody or is there anything that 
uh, you're doing upcoming. And before I let you say that, I want to have you back on. I want to work with you. Um, I'll put you under other podcasts for a reason. We love what you're doing with your podcast and with getting all these organizations, individuals and nonprofits out there. It's, it needs more of it needs to be done. We need more people like you. And, uh, I've said it to a few people the past few weeks, but I'm absolutely 100% fucking proud of you. If you need anything, just holler at us. It doesn't matter what it is. If you need to scream, yell, whatever, just, uh, hit us up and we're definitely going to answer you. And, uh, yeah, thank you for coming on Barracks Talk tonight. Thank you, Ace. Godspeed. Thank you so much, guys. I'm so fortunate and so lucky to be able to spend Veterans Day with awesome veterans like you guys who are out there getting the word out every single day and helping veterans and making an impact. So it's an honor to spend Veterans Day with you. Thank you to all the veterans listening tonight. You're in my heart. You guys are awesome. You ladies are awesome. And God bless America. Absolutely. 100%. Like I said, I want to have you back on because there's so much more we could pick your brain about and we could just have a good time. This hour actually fucking flew by. I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised, but thank you, Ace, so much for coming on tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great Veterans Day, everybody. You as well. Be safe. Bye. Have fun at your party. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking Bye. of. Bo, it went fast because I kept my mouth shut. We all know I got that slow draw when I talk. So. Right? Speaking of Barracks Party, we are going to start that here in just a moment. But for those Barracks Talk listeners, point, any last words? And I know you have some last words, but other than those last words, do you have any other last words you'd like to say to our listeners? No, sir. The only thing I have is obviously we're going to plug Objective Zero. So if you're struggling and you need to talk to somebody, there's a Pathfinder standing board standing by 24-7 to talk to you uh, via video chat, via text, via, you know, just straight up phone. So if you're struggling, you want to search by MOS, sex, whatever the case may be, they have ambassadors standing by willing to talk to you. Again, ObjectiveZero.org. It's a free download for your mobile uh, device. So have that tool in your back pocket. Check them out. Yes, it is available on iOS, Android, and desktop applications. You can use the browser. Just go to ObjectiveZero.org. Sergeant Wardog, last words for our listeners for Barracks Talk. Psych Ward Gang, representing mental health in the military community. Uh, if you run into any type of mental health crisis, do not be ashamed nor afraid to use the digits 988, just as I did when I had my own uh, situation. Uh, so, again, uh, do not be ashamed nor afraid to use the digits 988 if you run into any type of mental health crisis and choose option one. Have a good week. Don't strangle any civilians. Salute. JJ, last words for Barracks Talk. Man, or dog, don't strangle any civilians. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I got nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll save it for the Barracks Party. <laughs> All right. Roberto, Scav, and Joel is our last three. Roberto, last words for Barracks Talk. I tell you, it's always a pleasure joining you guys. I have a good time every time. I get to talk to you guys. Hopefully one day I'll be over there in person to check you guys out. Godspeed. Happy Veterans Day and uh, take care, guys. Absolutely. Please stay on if you want for Barracks Party. Scav, last thoughts and words for Barracks uh, Talk. Yeah, just check your battles and happy Veterans Day. 
100%. Joel from MBR Radio, last thoughts for Barracks Talk. Hey, every veteran that is listening, if you had a hard time today, if you had a hard time this week, if you need somebody to help you find resources, if you need your hand held to, to, to get to that place where you feel safe, please message us either DV radio or MB radio message us. Me and Bo will work together and we will get you the help that you need. Absolutely. Really quick. He joined us like at the very end of the show, but Jason from Southern vet suite, you said you had a, a question. What is it for? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I came in at the last minute and she, uh, asked a question for her because it, well, sorry, I'm a little scatterbrained right now. You came in, I hear you saying, talking about, uh, you know, you're kind of, I wouldn't say non-emotional for about a lot of stuff. And I hate to bring this up, but this is kind of the point where I came into the parties. I really wanted to ask it. Um, do you have kids? Ah, that's a good question, but that's highly. I'm one to ask, how do you feel like if you do and if you don't, how do you feel like if you don't have kids, if you ever do decide to have kids, how do you feel like some like some of these cases might affect the mental state? Well, I don't talk about my personal life, really. So that information is classified. But I will say that um, I definitely have a very strong drive to protect children. And the children's cases are always hard. But being able to talk openly on my show now about human trafficking and about child predators and being able to provide parents with that sort of information to provide that layer of protection, that shield over not only, you know, friends of mine's children or, you know, family members or whatever the case may be, the, you know, the whole world or the whole nation, people all over the world that listen to the show, I want their kids to be safe. And I want them to know how to utilize as many tools as they can in their little toolbox to be able to provide that shield for them. Because it's our job. Yeah, because I was just kind of curious, had you ever, I mean, has this, have you ever seen that be an issue in your line of work where people like it just absolutely shuts them down, like doing the work that you do have, you know, like um, they see a situation where it just absolutely shuts them down and they just can't do their job anymore because it just affected them like that. Because maybe it, I don't know it like me, I couldn't do it because I think about my kid and the things I think about, Oh my God, like what if that happened to my kid? And it just starts to take an emotional toll on me because I'm thinking about, my God, if that ever happened to my kid and it just, I would never be able to do like that. And I just didn't know if that was something that you have seen happen or you ever thought could happen. I don't know. Like, Well, when you've seen what, what I've seen, and I'm sure what you guys have also seen in many cases, it creates a sort of hypervigilance. And um, when you see horrific things happen to people, especially to children, it makes you super hypervigilant and have a really heightened sense of situational awareness when you're out in public. Um, so I have certain ways in my private life and certain a certain security team that I work with as well that, you know, protects a, a group of children, actually, Um in an educational setting. And so it's really important to me to provide that layer of protection. But yeah, I have seen some awful things and it does make me extremely hypervigilant. Um, 
but hopefully it makes me do my job better in a in a personal sense, but also in a professional sense, because if my senses are heightened, then I'm able to protect people better. That's that's all I wanted to ask, or at least try to get a quick beat on it, because I joined so late, and I just at least wanted to kind of ask that. This is what happens when you join late, Jason. Well, I'm sorry. But, hey, but well, at least you didn't press any buttons before we started. <laughs> right. All right. We are 10 minutes over the hour. We need to get Barrick's party started. Thank you all for joining us for Barrick's talk. For Oink, Wardog, JJ, Roberto, Scav, Joel, Jason, who joined us late, and of course, Ace of Bulletproof Podcast. Please go check out Bulletproof Podcast right now. Follow her on Facebook and listen to her on her podcast. Thank you all for joining us. I'm Boulderwood. You just heard Barrick's talk right here on WDBR, DVRadio.net. Until next week. Bicycles. Bye-bye. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter.